Welcome to the Songwriters Podcast with Anne Sibley. This is a podcast for music lovers and songwriters, whether you write at home, you are just getting started writing, or you've been writing for a really long time. It's meant to inspire you to work on your own songs, engage with songwriting, and really use it as a healing process. So I'm Anne Sibley. I'm so glad you're here. We have so many fun things always happening in the songwriting coaching world that I'm leading. Upcoming, I will be announcing soon a special songwriting challenge leading up to another six-week songwriting course. Starting in January, registration is opening soon for songwriters to join a special supportive songwriting community and get your songs written with care, with authenticity, with turning down that inner critic. Just go to annsibley.com, sign up for the newsletter, sign up for a discovery call with me, reach out to me, and let's get you songwriting again and making it feel good. Hey there, songwriters. I'm so glad you're here today. I can't wait for you to meet my friend Sarah Sample and hear her sing and hear us talk about her music. Now, she did play the songs for me live while we were on Zoom, but the sound quality wasn't awesome. So she is treating us to um, the recorded versions that she sent me and I, I dubbed them in. So that's what you'll hear today, her studio produced versions of these songs. Um, but it's a great day for music. I hope this inspires your songwriting. Uh, without further ado, please welcome my very talented friend, Sarah Sample. Sarah Sample, this is such a treat to have you with us this morning on the Songwriters Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. I fell in love with your music, I believe, on the first note that I heard you sing. I love your voice. I love your songwriting. It's so evocative and so soulful, and I can't wait for people, if they don't know you already, to fall in love with your music like I have. So um, let's jump right in. I would love to actually, what was the first song? Um, what is the first song that you were wanting to share with us today? What's one that you're excited about? Yeah, I have a few new songs um, coming out. And so maybe I'll start with one that's, uh, it will be released coming up. Um, it's not officially out yet, but I'll let you, I'm going to share it with you guys because this is an exclusive release uh, for the podcast today. <laughs> How about that? Um, this is a song that I wrote. Um, it's called Black Sheep. And um, do you want me to just go for it and we'll talk about it after? Or Either way. Either way, Sarah, whatever you're feeling, I know there's times as a songwriter, we like want to tell a story beforehand and you know that since you've performed so much or you just want to jump into it. What are you feeling? Well, I wrote this song with my sister. Um, her name is Kate Graves. She's a songwriter and we grew up in a very like fundamental religion. And um, we always joked because I was the rule follower um, in the church building with my Bible and she was out smoking in the parking lot. And so we wanted to write a song that was kind of like for the black sheeps of the world who are smoking in the parking, you know, the the parking lots of life. Um, but that being said, I have also le left that religion. My husband and I left that religion about 11 years ago. And so I do like to 
sing about it and talk about it. And I think it's a big part of my evolution as a human and who I am today. And and so I wanted to write this song about kind of leaving religion, but then also um, not have it feel offensive to those who still are religious. And so my sister and I really talked through um, what, how do we, how do we present our journey without being offensive to other people's journeys, which is hard to navigate. And I don't always think that that's necessarily the road we need to take, but um, we decided that we were going to bring in um, the idea of Jesus being a black sheep as our bridge. And so just like, you know, people are navigating their way through spiritual paths, I think um, Jesus in the Bible and in the New Testament was navigating his own spiritual journey and was leaving um, his religious path that he was raised in and setting out and creating basically a new religious way for people, Christianity. So um, we kind of brought in Jesus as this black sheep um, as well. And I love how it turned out. It was really great. school they talk about judgment day how there's just one right way where god's gonna make you pay i sit in the back drawing they keep all the windows closed heather is witnessing it's always the same old thing hard pews and repenting i slip out the hallway Figure my own way with God Won't mix judgment with His name And for those that feel lost I won't bully them with shame Just a few thoughts From a black sheep in a church parking lot Fake smiles and righteous laughs Scott hands my Bible back But I don't feel like talking And I go where the asphalt's high I'll be damned if I'm going back in Sometimes hell's not what you thought Sometimes out your only friend I'll figure my own way with God Won't mix judgment for those that feel lost I won't bully them with shame Just a few thoughts From a black sheep in a church parking lot Heading on out into the wilderness 
in a church parking lot goodness i loved that incredible so deep so many layers there's there's so much courage and depth to your songwriting and songs i just have chills like that mm. is definitely one i will be going back to listening to over and over and and what an incredible you know thing that you would take your life experience your religious experience your church experience and put it into a song and do it with your sister. I mean, I don't, there are not many of us um, doing creative, you know, things with our siblings, or maybe there are, but just that alone is so healing and fantastic. I think when you talk about shame, you know, I'm not going to bully them with shame. Oh, I mean, how many different, how many different problems in our world could we apply that to right now and to heal ourselves and to not, send that along to our children. I love that song. I'm so glad. I don't know how you find the time, but I'm so glad that you are <laughs> recording these singles. Thank, um, thank you. And that means so much to me. Yeah. That heart, that song, um, is a deep dive of course. And, um, but it has a lot of truth in it for my experience and also for my sister's experience. It was, it was fun to write because, we have lived very different lives and um, we wanted to kind of make the feeling of the song inclusive, even though the song is kind of about leaving a structure or a religion. So, um, and you know, I, I have spent many of my years studying the New Testament and the Bible. And I think um, what I come back to when I think about Jesus is, that his message was about loving people. So it's pretty simple. I think we complicated quite a bit. <laughs> so, so special. I mean, I was just, I love these synchronicities. I was just listening to a podcast where she was talking about in the times of enslavement that they would rip out parts of the Bible. So the slaves couldn't read the parts that were more about like being connected to the divine. And so you just, I feel like you're, you just res, it just resonated on that exact same chord that I was getting from that podcast this morning. Ooh. And I love, now I love, I really want to hear about how, and we have so many fun things to talk about today, but how do you write with your sister? How does that work? I, I remember that you don't live in the same town. Um, how is that? Uh, and if you want to start back with, you know, how you got started songwriting, uh, we would love to, we'd love to hear more of your story. Yeah, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, and my family had moved around a lot, but that's primarily where I grew up and where I consider home. And my dad was a musician, not a professional musician, but um, always had an instrument somewhere. And then he also had a huge record vinyl collection. And so we were really exposed to our whole life to a lot of different types of music, blues and classical and Americana and all sorts of things. Americana before it was called Americana, I guess. 
<laughs> and so I really, from a young age, loved music. And also I loved performing and I really loved the performance aspect of things. So there's lots of stories where as a child, um, I'm putting on plays or I'm doing dance performances or lip sync performances. And, and I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a songwriter and be a performer. I don't even know if I said a songwriter, but there's, I think in first grade, my parents did a Christmas newsletter and it was like asking all the kids questions. And I knew then that I wanted to be a singer like Randy Travis, if that gives you any indication. Um, so yeah, I, I have always loved singing and performing and it came very natural to me. My mom gave me her old classical Yamaha uh, six string guitar, like a, a classical guitar when I was in sixth grade. And up until that point, we had all been taking piano, but in sixth grade, she kind of let us choose a different instrument if we wanted. So I took this guitar and I was listening to a lot of Indigo Girls and a lot of Tracy Chapman and, um, you know, Bob Dylan and Bonnie Raitt, all sorts of like powerful female songwriters and um, started writing songs, like whole songs in sixth grade. And I had a, my piano teacher actually um, was a piano teacher, but she taught pop pianos. So chords, she would teach me like progressions. And then I could play pretty much any song I wanted as long as I had a chord sheet, which was really empowering to be able to feel like, I don't know how to play the notes exactly, but I can play the, the chord structure beneath it to sing whatever I want, um, which was really, which was really fun. And then um, with this guitar, my mom gave me, I don't know, I didn't ever put it down. I just then moved from Indigo Girls into Ani DeFranco, I guess, and <laughs> went from there um, and continued to write really uh, dramatic journal entry songs all through high school and then started making records in college and touring in college. So. Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing all that. And I have to, I have to add in because we're definitely, I knew we were soul sisters. And even though mine wasn't pop at the time, I, and it was, it wasn't until high school, I had a high school teacher teach me how to play chords after I'd painstakingly been taking piano lessons, thought, why are all the other kids so much better than I am? I just want to sing. Yes. I'm so, I'm so bad at the piano. And then my high school one of my high school choir teachers teaches me chords. My whole world opens up. I can play the entire Broadway fake book now and I can sing <laughs> to my heart's delight. I'm sure to my brothers, um, you know, to their unfortunate ears. Um, but I love that. I just wanted to share that. It was so empowering. You're so yeah. right. Yeah, because it also gives you the power. I mean, I'm still playing the same five chords I learned in sixth grade on guitar, essentially, but I, it just empowers you. I mean, I think about how many songs have a one, four, five structure, you know, and maybe a few minors thrown in and, and you can play any song pretty much. And to be able to open up that world to, to feel like, well, I can't sight read this music note for note, but I can play any song and have the chordal bass beneath me and be able to sing to my heart's content. I know exactly what you're saying. And it, it, it is really empowering and really fun. Um, so I agree completely. But my sister, she's also very musical. She's more shy in the performance side of things, but she she picked up a guitar in college and 
Um, she's always been a writer, so she was an English major and and great at writing poetry and short stories and all of these things. And so we would we started going to these song schools and festivals pretty early on in my 20s. Um, there's a great one that's kind of my home song school, which is called uh, Folks Fest or Song School in Lyons, Colorado, part of Planet Bluegrass. They run the Telluride Bluegrass Festival and Folks Fest. And, um, and so we started going to this song school where you get taught by songwriters who are really famous and who are going to be performing that weekend at the festival. So you have like Mary Gaucher and Daryl Scott and Josh Ritter and, you know, Anais Mitchell, all these people that will come a week early and spend time and really show you their process, which I think is the best way to learn how to songwrite is to hear how other people do it and then try to apply what they're saying and figure, you know, put your own spin on things. But my sister and I started going to this and and we really had some competitive vibes going on for years where I just didn't want anything to do with her. I didn't want I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted my, you know, my own career and I didn't want to have to like play guitar for her so she could sing at the song circle or whatever it was. Like I just wanted to be my own person. And um and then at some point something shifted and I think she asked if we could try writing a song together years ago and and I finally said yes. And then as soon as I said yes, I realized what an asset she was and how amazing she is at lyrics and editing and really getting to the heart of what you want to say and all of these things. And so um, we just started collaborating a lot more and it's been great. We've written a lot of songs together and it's so easy because the co-writing relationship can be hard to figure out. It's always you're you're kind of going in. I always go in with a bit of trepidation, like how is this gonna go? And am I gonna feel awkward? And I'm am I, am I gonna come up with any good ideas? I've lost all my good ideas, and um, and so with your sister sitting there, there's just no filter. You can just say I don't like that, or we need to keep trying, or there's several times where we'll get through almost a whole song or half a song, and then one of us will be like this sucks like <laughs> I hate it or you know we'll write a whole song this actually happened to us a few weeks ago we pretty much wrote a song and then the next day both of us called and we were like it's no good like <laughs> like let's ditch it and do something different I love that you were on the same page I mean that's yeah. really neat and I mean there's so many times where I'm like maybe this isn't that great of a song but to have another person a sister um, yeah. someone so close to you also be there. That's yeah, really say like, yeah, you're right. This isn't working. Or I love this one line or I love this chord structure. So let's put it to something else. But the joke between us is that we always want to try to write a song about our grandparents farm. And it's like the most boring subject topic you've ever heard like no one cares about my grandparents far <laughs> but over and over through the years we'll be like oh my gosh let's write about the blue trailer and the long dirt road in and the whatever and so whenever we we start writing about grandma's farm then we're like okay we've got to stop and start over 
that is awesome. I mean, you have so many sweet memories between the two of you. Okay. And I am not one to watch reality shows, but I'm all of a sudden thinking like the two of you, you know, if someone did a reality show and we got to watch the two of you write songs together and have these conversations and try to write about your grandparents' farm. Um, I just, it's so courageous to co-write and the, yeah, I mean, the powerful songs that you're writing together, it's, it's such an ego dropping. It has to be where, you know, to be able to go in and, and like you said, at first you were like feeling more competitive. You're like, I just want to write my own stuff. Um, I can, I can relate to that more than I've allowed co-writing. Yeah. And, and I have a few co-writing partners over the years that I found that we just really work together. I probably have three that I can think of that I routinely go back to. Um, and then I've other I've had other co-writing experiences where I love the writer and I love the person and but it it just like doesn't land, you know, or it feels uncomfortable or or it's hard to have any of that magic happen. Um, but I think the more you just kind of show up for those co-writing sessions and just say, um, we'll see what happens. Um, and I have some co-writes, like for instance, my friend Edie and I, we did a lullaby album together in 2014 and we've written a few songs together, but usually the way that we write together is we'll, we'll get on a zoom call or a FaceTime and we'll talk through the idea and we'll kind of decide where we want it to head. And then one of us will usually have a melodic idea or something, um, I have a newer song that just got released called In My Arms. And that song started as um, I had the first verse done and it had kind of a tag, like a chorus tag. Um, and I said, and we got on Zoom, we talked through where we wanted it to go. And then she literally <laughs> the next day sent me the completely finished song, like two more verses in a bridge. And because the melody was already set, I think it's easier to add lyrics to that sometimes than starting completely from scratch. Um, but she's such a great lyricist and um, such a great singer. And I just sobbed like I listened to the song and was just, you know, crying a lot. I, I love co-writing because you will always land somewhere different than you would if you insisted on staying alone in your writing process you're always going to land in a new a new place than if you said you know i only am going to write by myself or whatever that's that's so inspiring to to you know have the courage to do that and oh it's so true i'm i'm working i woke up one morning a couple of weeks ago and had and i have don't usually have this but i literally woke up i wasn't didn't think anything until i just heard a line with a melody and it was, don't let me be silent. And I'm like, literally just like kind of stood up out of bed, like, okay, I'm supposed to be, <laughs> I'm supposed to be writing this song. And I've been wondering about that. I really feel like it does need a co-writer because Ooh, I, yeah. I kind of keep hitting walls and, but I'm like, the song is so important and it's about speaking up and not saying yes, when you mean no, and not like, you know, being silent when someone hurts you and, oh goodness. So you're, you're inspiring me to have that sense of adventure. It sounds like, right. And again, like dropping the ego and being mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to trust this other person and <laughs> we're going to see what we can do together. Now, the one caveat I would say is that I think the one requisite for a co-write is that you you respect the writer you're writing with. 
So I don't think you ever want to go into a co-write situation where you feel an imbalance of, I don't really like what they're creating or I don't resonate with what they're doing. I think it's always going to go better if you choose somebody to write with that you love what they do or you you know, they're a really strong guitar player, a really great melodic line writer or something, something to the table that um, you really look up to and want in your music makes it so fun. I have a friend who's a writer in Nashville and he's with a publishing company and he's for the last decade, he writes probably, he, he probably has two songwriting, you know, dates a day. So he'll write two songs a day. The publisher will like set up songwriting you know, time and and he'll go in the morning, he'll write a song and he'll go to lunch and then he'll come back in the afternoon, like write a song with someone else, which is so foreign to me. I don't even, I don't know how I could do that, but he's so great to write with because he's so relaxed and there's just no sense of, um, I don't know, it's just like his everyday to him. And so, the preciousness is kind of taken out of it, which makes me then relax and just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just hanging out with my friend and we're just talking through things and spitballing and throwing ideas. And I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves and we show up in those rooms and feel intimidated and scared and we're trying too hard and um, it doesn't feel as relaxed as maybe it could be. So uh, the ever evolving co-write situation. <laughs> well, it's wonderful that you're sharing your knowledge on that because so many people wonder about it and haven't tried it or they have tried it and they haven't had a great experience because they probably went into it a little too casually with someone, like you said, maybe they didn't fully appreciate their music and isn't the right match. But you know, it's interesting you bring up your friend in Nashville because I listen to you and I know that your songs are good enough you know, for, you know, just for some major exposure, they're as good as the songs people are writing in Nashville, in my opinion, or better. And um, that just makes me ask the question, you know, was, was there a time you've tried to live there? Is there a connection? You know, I, I know you're living in beautiful Sheridan, Wyoming, which is not too far where I spent 11 years in Wyoming and just ate up the inspiration from living there. So yeah, I would love to have you share your journey. What's um, cause it, you're, you're just so, you're so talented and, um, usually that's a, an interesting story. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for saying all those kind things. I, I, that means so much to me. I've been working on being a better songwriter for a really long time and I have no intention of stopping, but I also think that I've had to really mourn the idea of becoming famous I think growing up, I really believed that I would be famous. <laughs> I feel stupid saying that out loud, but I really did. I just was like, I will make it. Like, I'm doing this and this is who I'm supposed to be in the world. And I'm going to, I don't know, be, I'm going to tour with Patty Griffin and just rule the world. And, um, and that hasn't been my path at all. And, um, I remember like early in my songwriting career, I think my first record came out in 2002 or three, I can't remember. And I started applying for a lot of different songwriting contests. And for the first few years, I didn't really get into any of them. 
And, and then, and when you think about it, sometimes these song contests have 500 songs sent in and they pick 10. And then from those 10, those 10 get to perform and then there's one winner or whatever else, but it's just, there's, there's such a lottery of who's listening to you. You're rolling the dice. It's like, we all have our preferences about what's a good song or a voice that we resonate with. And so early in my career, I remember applying to these songwriting contests because I couldn't live in Nashville. Um, I got married really young and, um, my husband and I, we were on like a life path that basically wasn't going to include living in Nashville is kind of how I think of it. Um, he was going to, you know, advanced schooling and um, I was still touring and making records, but it wasn't really in the cards for us to live in Nashville. And so I was trying to kind of do everything I could to show up on that folk music scene, going to folk alliances and going to workshops and song schools and trying to get into contests. And in 2006 and seven and eight and nine, I did do a lot of that. I did a lot of circuit playing of contests and played Kerrville and Folks Fest and Telluride and Sisters and, and finally started getting into contests. And I remember thinking before that, like if I could just get into a contest, then people would see me and then it would be clear that I'm going to be famous, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, you get to that level and then like not much changes and you just like keep moving up the ladder, you know? But I remember then thinking, well, if I could just win a contest, if I could just win a contest, then things would really change for me. And then I won Folks Fest and that led to a lot of really cool opportunities for me. I won a guitar. I won a main stage slot the next year, which was incredible. Um, and I got a lot of really great um, touring opportunities that were given to me from fans who had seen me in the audience. Um, and I started being able to open for different acts. I, I started being well enough known that I could open shows for bigger names. Um, but kind of what you learn at some point is that there's not like one thing that's going to break your career and make you famous and make you seen by, you know, a record label or by something else. And um, that is a heartbreaking lesson that I think I just had to learn again and again and again. Um, I also knew that I wanted to have children and as any mother and, and, possibly father too. I'm not trying to like exclude men in this equation, but there's just a different dynamic being a touring songwriter as a mom. And you can't do it. <laughs> I mean, you can. Like my friends and I who tour, now we call it like mom touring where we'll go for a week, a long weekend once a month or something. But like, you know, especially when you're pregnant and you're not feeling good and then you have you you have a baby and then your body is feeding a baby. And I mean, I could just tell you the most ridiculous stories of being on tour and having my mom with me in the hotel room while my milk is like draining out on stage and I'm trying to like give a show, you know, or the baby is at the show crying in the back green room or something. I mean, it's just it's so hard to make that um, dynamic work of being a touring mother. Um, and it's just not conducive to becoming famous 
or like breaking into that next tier. And the, the people that I've seen, um, kind of my peers that I've grown up with playing the same festivals or the same circuits, and, and I would say we're at kind of the same level of professionalism, the ones that have gone on to like really break through their markets and um, get signed to labels and really blow up on Spotify and everything else, most of them are not married and most of them do not have children and most live in Nashville. Um, and if they do have a family, then they have to figure out some sort of support system um, to help them do that. And it just all equates to um, a really complicated situation of trying to live your dream and trying to be a mom and trying to figure it out and trying to be happy and make enough money and all of that stuff. So um, I think my biggest growth has come in the last 10 years of really just loving and accepting my life. Um, I have a really beautiful life and I get to write songs and I get to share them with my community and with some parts of the world. And I kind of had to mourn and like let go of the idea of ever quote making it or becoming famous. I, I just don't think that's going to happen for me and for many people, for many of us, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I don't think that means you can't live a really beautiful, meaningful life where you still get to be creative and you still get to connect and you still get to write the great songs, you know? Ah, that's, it's so generous to have you share that story. And I feel like we've lived parallel lives without meeting until just this last year. And mm -hmm. I mean, when you started recording albums, I started recording albums and I didn't play folks fest, but I played Rocky grass. And <clears throat> yep. I mean, when I, when I was young, I grew up in new England and I would go into New York city and I would watch Broadway shows and I would sit in the audience and I would look up there and I'm like, I, I want to be her. I want to be up there. So yes. I love that you're like, that sounds stupid, but I'm admitting, you know, I love that you have, um, you know, again, just that generosity to share what really has been your experience. And it's so true. I, I, and it's so true about mourning. I mean, we hit a point where it was like, okay, this is the big album. We're putting tons of money into it. We, we already won, you know, we were on Prairie Home Companion. Oh and yeah. Right. And then we got to open for a bunch of acts and so many doors open to us. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm like, I have one child. <laughs> I have one child and I have, a, you know, another one we want to have soon. And it was so hard to be a mom of touring. We had, we need to have Girl. an entire podcast. On where... mom. Yes. On mom, singer, songwriters. Yes. Right. And the stories, I mean, there's like the million amazing babysitters that did an amazing job. And then there's the one time where like, we had to call an ambulance. Like we, we were just about to leave and the babysitter, like started to have a seizure. And, and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like my heart <laughs> oh my is just, <laughs> I mean, it was only funny, you know, months and months afterwards. And it was like, I can't. And then oh. you're up so late at night and you, then, you know, the kids are up early again the next morning and you're, you're trying to do both. And I love it. I feel the same, Sarah. I have a beautiful life. I get to write these songs. Um, I'm so glad you've stuck with the heart. Really what's always at the heart of it is that music that's mm -hmm. calling and wants to come through you and you continue to write these songs and express these songs for us 
to then feel into our heart. I always feel into my heart with a good song, but the one that you shared today already, it was like, I was feeling that one in my gut too. I mean, to, to be able to continue to stick with the music part, even when the path to Nashville, to a record label, same, same. I mean, I've had, I've had so many of the same dreams and it was like, oh, that, I guess that wasn't the path, but there is that morning period where you, you know, maybe you don't want to have anything to do with music for a little while. I went into full-time teaching Mm -hmm. and then when COVID hit and the pandemic hit, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to get back to my music, but I'm going to do it in my way. Yes. I'm going to rewrite that story. But I, I think it is really important that, that we talk about the mourning and like the despair that the like sadness of having that feel like you have a calling to do something and pursuing it for your whole life and then always feeling just out of reach of it somehow bumping up to the next level or getting the record label or getting your Spotify playlist, you know, stuff going or, or being on tour with the um, people you've dreamed of being on tour with. And, um, and that morning, I think what happens again and again, right? I mean, it's not like a one-time thing. It's like, it's, this is such a hard path because it is so elusive and there are, you know, there are the Karens, you know, on the trail to becoming a musician that you can go, okay, I see that thing and everyone else is doing this thing. And so I'm going to do this thing. Um, but then it's so hard to know, like when you've arrived or when it matters or when it makes a difference. And I think one thing you said is so true. is just like every album, I would think like, it takes you how many years to write a record, two years or something or more, you know, unless you're Taylor Swift and able to write hits every four months or something but it's like you know I would usually have two years between a record and it's like two years of building this pushing the boulder up the hill and and getting your press team and getting your you know radio team and and hiring a publicist and getting the artwork done and finding your producer and you know doing doing fundraising because you know, it, it costs $25,000 to make a record, you know, which is essentially like, do you want to buy a house or do you want to make a record? And so to like go through all these steps and then you you build this anticipation of like, okay, this is it. I'm going to release this record and it's going to break and I'm going to get the no depression and the Rolling Stone and the da da da. I'm going to get all the things, Pace Magazine, and I'm going to be the, I'm going to finally make it. And then it doesn't happen that way. And and then to just feel like, well, God, I've just put all my time and effort and hopes and dreams. And I guess I'll just make another record. <laughs> I guess I'll just start over. I mean, what other career is like that? Like, it is torturous. You're just like, okay, so you did all the things, you spent all the money, you talked to all the friends and like you had some great shows and maybe you got some great radio play and maybe whatever else, but you still have boxes of CDs in your mom's basement and you're still like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it again and see what comes up with next. I mean, I can't think of another job like that. It's so, it's so amazing that I have felt which is so odd. You would think I would have a better perspective, but that I've felt so much more alone in it until this moment, like until really hearing what you're sharing, because you're speaking so much of my same story 
Mm. And, you know, so many times where people are like, you should be, you know, under the big lights, like you should be your, you know, your songs are like the best I've ever heard, you know, all this stuff and, and right. The pushing the boulder up the hill. And then at the end, you're like, I don't own a house, but I made this record and there's extras. I keep moving (laughs) from every, every rental house. We have to keep lifting these heavy boxes of CDs that we still have. Mm -hmm. And then we have these incredible experiences, right. With people, people emailing us, like, you know, your, your music was my soundtrack. I played your songs while my wife was dying. I mean, all of that, but that I'm not buying into that, like that it needs to be just that, that it can also be that we also can make good money. Yes. (laughs) And it hasn't been obvious. That hasn't been the path that hasn't, um, no, I, I really, I really agree with that. There needs to be some systemic changes to the, like, oh, but I found someone who will play for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There has to be a cultural shift and some accountability, like, you know, the fact that that a play on Spotify makes what 0.01 cent or 001 or something crazy. It's like a million plays makes you four grand. Okay. Well, a million times listened, like that's not fair. It's not that that compensation isn't fair. And and so I think there there does have to be accountability of like when are musicians going to basically demand more for what they're selling? You know, like I'm giving you a product and I wrote it from like blood, sweat and tears of my life, um, but I expect to be fairly compensated for it. And part of that comes down to, you know, asking for what you're worth when you get hired for a show or a wedding or whatever else, or I don't know, I mean, the we could go on, we could go on and on. But I just think about, um, I decided to go back to school several years ago to become a nurse um, because you know, there's hundreds of dollars to be made in folk music. And it was just, it's been a really good experience for me to see what it looks like to have transparent expectations and transparent, like you will work this many hours and we will pay you this much. We expect you to show up in this uniform at 8 a.m. these days and you will clock in and clock out and we will give you this health insurance and this whatever else like it is just so clear and established and i i love leaning into a system like that when i've spent my whole life floating in the atmosphere of music where nothing is defined everything is a chance everything is who you know or where you live or I don't know. There's so much luck involved in so much of it. Well, I bet we can really meet there uh, as mothers because that's what I finally said. Like, I can't do this unknown. It's so much unknown and Mm -hmm. unknown. I get, I mean, that's my spiritual practice. That's my spiritual path. There's so many amazing things happen in my life because I've allowed the unknown, but you have children and if it's an unknown and then in the equation is plus not great pay. Let's just call it, call it what it is. And, um, so the unknown, okay, I can do that for a while. I can live out, you know, driving around the country with my young kids, like going, doing house concerts everywhere, but Mm -hmm. plus not getting paid. Well, it just, it really wears on you as a mother and a songwriter. And so I, yeah, took a teaching job full time 
insurance. I got to go like, you know, put on my work clothes, put my kids in their uniforms, drive. And we drove and I got to be at their same school for five years. And so I just think there's such a beauty in that. And I can see how we've needed that as mothers and Mm -hmm. as musicians. And we're not going to stop playing music and we're not going to stop writing songs and Mm -hmm. motherhood is going to make our songs better. But I think there's an end of, I think we've touched on a, on a, really important topic today. And I really appreciate that because there's a need for that end of like saviorism, martyrdom, Mm -hmm. um, not asking for what we're worth, you know, with the money, you know, in the music industry, when those Spotify hits for our beloved, you know, big stars who we love their music too. But if the money's all just going to them and (laughs) that it's, it's a system that doesn't work. So I think, I think one thing we can offer to listeners today is just continue to support your artists, continue to, you know, pay them even double what you're thinking. You know, if they ask for 20 bucks for a house concert, show up and pay 40. I mean, right. Like let's, let's start. We got it. We need to give those creative ideas. We, one of my mantras has been, I choose creativity over suffering. Ooh, I love that. Right. And as songwriters and artists, we are creative beings. And I love that you're a nurse. I love that you've had that courage to add that onto what you're already doing. And they, I'm sure some of your patients have no idea the incredibly talented musician that is standing with them, but you're a healer. I feel like we are. And you're, yeah. you're a true healer through these incredible songs. And I definitely want you to share another song today. Yes. So let's, let's, what, what other song were you thinking of uh, that we well, were going to play today? <laughs> We've, we've gone to the, the sad realm and the leaving religion realm. So I think we just need a love song and, and do something happy. <laughs> that sounds I'm really great. Good, I'm really good at the sad, but. <laughs> okay. So it's hard to be married to a songwriter because, like I said, I'm really good at mining for the heartache and the hard stuff and the vulnerability and and part of that is why in nursing I have gone into oncology so I'm a cancer nurse and I have a lot of people be like how can you do that um and I kind of want to be like well I am a songwriter like (laughs) I've been doing this my whole life (laughs) I see trauma and I talk about it and I sing about it yeah and I actually love vulnerability like I love the hard stuff and I um I don't know I I feel like it's such a privilege to be in a space of vulnerability with people and I know that from performing vulnerable songs to an audience and having them respond I'm sure you've had that same experience where people say like oh my gosh the fact that you are brave and you sang about this hard thing I totally heard my story in your song and that made me emotional or that made me feel hopeful or all of these things. So I I really do know that connection piece really well. And that really has translated into nursing and to oncology because we get to work with cancer patients in their most vulnerable physical state and emotional state. And I'm here for it. Like I I love I love it. And I love them. I, I feel like they are the most brave and um just incredibly inspiring group of people. Okay, enough of that. All of that's to say, um, I don't have a ton of really happy love songs and I need to write more of them. 
And so I wanted to write a song for my husband. This was a fun one to write because we, um, I used the metaphor of a song structure to talk about the, my relationship. So this is called Love Song. could listen to you every day and I can luckily because you've made so many recordings <laughs> that was so yeah. special and what I really feel in my heart and again I love 
I love that you're there for these patients and that courage and vulnerability that you've needed as a musician, that you bring that to the bedside on this, you know, adventure that they're on. And when I think about wanting to be famous, because you and I are same, same, I think about that word and how that idea of being known, that's what it makes me think of is like being famous, you could say is being known and through these songs that you have written and that you continue to write and that you will write more, we get to know you. And then we know ourselves, you know, if you're, you're diving deep, you're, you're sharing these songs from a really deep place and that makes us feel deeply. And I mean, that could be so much more important than you and I being on the Grammys, but maybe we will still be on the Grammys together. We will not give that up. Um, but it's, I, I really mean that there's such a depth and a sweetness and a richness to mm -hmm. what you're providing for people through your music. So I want to thank you on behalf of all the people you've blessed, whether that's been at these festivals and in these contests or in the hospital or on my songwriting groups, you know, would you come be a guest and the, and then everyone I'm listening on the podcast, who's going to go listen to all your music, you bless so many and with your songwriting and your music and, um, you're famous in my eyes. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I love talking about this, especially with the kindred spirit and someone who's walked a same path. So thank you for having me today. It's been so great. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I'm so grateful to have you. And may we continue to just light the way forward and create new paths for the mothers coming up behind us with young children now that ours are getting a little bigger. <laughs> And that we continue to say, what's a, what's a motherly, friendly, touring, recording way mm -hmm. forward that really honors us and our children and our safety and security. And there's so many, so many beautiful conversations there. So Absolutely. much healing. Well, Sarah Sample, there's so many places where people can look up your music, obviously Spotify, um, sarahsample.com. And then I was looking on Facebook and, and loving following you there. Cause you're telling us when all these new singles are coming out, am I missing anything in those, in those links? And I'll put them all in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. Just, um, on Instagram, I'm Sarah sample 88. No, I was not born in 88, but <laughs> just like the number. So Sarah sample 88 and then Facebook. And then I'm also, um, I have a website, sarahsample.com. You can find me on all the streaming platforms, um Spotify or Apple Music or anything else um and thank you so much for having me this has been great it's been such a pleasure and I just signed up for your mailing list so I want to remind people to continue to do that to really stay personally connected with artists great way to support them you never know when Sarah's gonna bust out with some amazing uh next song that you want to be a part of and yes. thank you so much for sharing it's wonderful to hear about you and your sister's songwriting together and all the songwriting you're going to continue to do. So thanks for sitting with me today. Thank you. This has been wonderful. And um, I love talking about songwriting. So thank you for this platform. It's been really fun. My pleasure. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thank you so much for being with me today on the Songwriters Podcast. Don't forget to follow the podcast wherever you are listening, and then you will get a notification uh, each time I upload a new episode, which will be happening more and more. All right, guys, take good care. I went down to my place by the water, saw love standing there. She was, she
Yeah. 